0: congregation that morning news had been spreading everywhere about their homegrown preacher and there he was Jesus was in the synagogue it must have been an absolutely electric moment when they saw Jesus stand up walk to the front this 30 year old man Asking for the scriptures. He knew exactly which scriptures he wanted to read. They, they, they passed him the scroll of Isaiah. And he rolled to the exact point that he wanted to read. And what he did at that point amazed everybody in the congregation that day. And by the end of the day, some people tried to kill him. That's quite a sermon. I'm hoping for a better outcome. But we're going to read exactly the same scripture that Jesus read that morning. Now we moved a long way from scrolls, we're into codexes, Uh, we have have it in a book. And if you don't have a Bible with you, please put your hand up, we'd love to uh, put the Bible in front of you, Uh, turn to Isaiah chapter 61. So just put your hand up, don't be embarrassed, someone will bring you a Bible if you need one. We'd just love you to have a copy in front of you today. And turn to page 749 in the church Bibles page 749. And we're going to read what Jesus read that day. Isaiah chapter 61, page 749. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, keep your Bibles open there. We're going to come back to it in a moment. But at that point, Jesus sat down, which is what you did to teach. He sat down to teach, and everyone's eyes were just glued on him. And this is how he began his sermon that day. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now I think this is absolutely amazing. Isaiah, a prophet who lived. Uh, 8th century before Christ came, proclaimed and wrote these words 800 years before Jesus turned up. And then Jesus, over 700 plus years later, uh, in AD 30, kind of stands up in front of this congregation, this synagogue, and he tells them, today that scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now this is an incredible claim. And it is still massively significant today, not least if you've come here today and you are poor. You are feeling broken. You are enslaved. You are addicted. You're in mourning. You're in despair. Because Jesus is the one sent by God to proclaim good news for you today. For us today because this same Jesus is still transforming people's lives today he's still redeeming people's lives today we had a bit of fun this week because you I'm sure you saw that great poster across the road uh, it's it's huge can we put this put the slide forward um, it, it's an advert for a video game that I think was released on Friday I don't think any gamers will be here today they'll still be playing this game Redeemed, dead, redeemed too. And Dave Wilson suggested uh, on, on Tuesday, I think, that we should do something to respond to it. And Matt Holden, quick as a flash, made, put this poster together. And we put it outside the church on Wednesday. And uh, just to remind people that Jesus offers real re- life redemption. Uh, video games are not the best place to find redemption, but we've actually got the news that will bring real redemption. And it's caused a bit of a splash in the social media. Um, people walking down the street have taken photos. They've posted it. Uh, one person, uh, their tweet has re- retweeted 4,000 uh, times with 14,000 likes. And then someone showed me today the lad's Bible. I don't think it's got anything really to do with the Bible. It's more, it's more lads than Bible. And it's, this video is... They've done a video of the, the poster swinging to the church and it's been viewed over 372,000 times. Can you believe that? And so this morning, I want us to dig into this part of Isaiah's prophecy so that we can understand the mission of Jesus and, and how to respond to it and how he wants to transform our lives. That's what I want to do today. Because this is where true redemption comes from. So let's just take the time to read the first 11 verses. So let's start from the top again. Uh, Page 749. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in the riches you will boast. Instead of your shame you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels for as the soil makes the young plant come up, and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just ask for his help now. Father, we thank you that you've, you've spoken to us. You've revealed uh, your grace and your glory and your goodness to us, and that you're a holy God. Father, please speak to each one of us now. Help us to understand your word. Help us to understand all that you've done for us in Jesus. Lord, bring us to life that we may trust him and live for him and receive this healing and and, and forgiveness and joy that is spoken of here. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Look at what um, Isaiah promises will happen in history. A person simply announces themselves to us in the very first verse of Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news. And this is what Isaiah tells the people to expect to come. Expect a preacher from God. Expect one anointed by the Spirit of the Sovereign God to preach good news. Now Isaiah spoke at a time when the nation seemed prosperous, but they were heading to calamity because of their rebellion and their sin against God. Isaiah had called them to repent and turn back to God, and he warned them of what would to come if they refused to listen. Their country torn apart, first by the Assyrian Empire sweeping in, and then the Babylonian Empire coming in, uh, taking many into exile, destroying the whole of Israel. And then when it would look like there was no more hope, when they were exiles and prisoners, mourning all their losses, Isaiah says, expect a good news preacher to come from God. Anointed by the Spirit of God, the sovereign God, to preach good news. And this is exactly what the eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus, the Gospels tell us, that happened in the life of Jesus. He went to be baptized by John the Baptist. And as he comes out of the water, the Spirit descends on him like a dove. And we get this voice from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And Luke, in his Gospel account, describes how Jesus is full of the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, He turns up in Galilee preaching and teaching. And this anointed preacher will have good news for the poor. Poverty is such a complex problem. I've just started engaging with this guy Darren McGavery, reading his book, Poverty Safari. uh, Talking about growing up in poverty in Glasgow in the 1980s. Uh, Poverty, of course, is not just about financial poverty. It, It leaves you feeling trapped, angry, excluded, hopeless. And it's also about spiritual and moral poverty. It's about being impoverished in our relationship with God because we're cut off from Him because of our sin. You can actually be materially rich but spiritually poor. You can be a billionaire, but be morally bankrupt. Separated from God because of our rebellion and sin, the Bible says. Now, some people recognize this poverty. Others do not. But when you do realize that you are poor, then listen to Jesus. He's got good news for you. He came to proclaim good news to the poor. And what's more, he was sent by God To be the reason for the good news. Look at verse 1 again. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Not merely to proclaim good news, but to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom for the captives. Release from darkness for the prisoners, To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To provide for those who grieve. This anointed preacher Men's broken hearts. This anointed preacher comes to comfort those who mourn. He he comes to provide for the grief-stricken. And the imagery taken here of proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor comes from a very special day that God commanded his people, his ancient people, should be in their calendar. And it just came up every 50 years. And at the start of the 50th year, every 50th year from when they started as a nation, uh, a, a shofar trumpet was blown to proclaim the year of jubilee. And what a great year of rejoicing this was. Because in the year of jubilee, all debts in the nation were to be canceled. All prisoners were to be set free. All slaves were to be emancipated. All property was to be returned to their original owners. It it was a a fresh start moment. Every 50 years, a reset, a restoration, putting things back the way that they were supposed to be. Can you imagine the joy of that? Uh, The work of CAP, Christians Against Poverty, was featured in a BBC documentary at the start of this month. Uh, It's entitled uh, The Debt Saviors. You can still watch it on catch-up, I think. And John Kirby, the founder, in one part of it, kind of reads these verses at the start of the day as they're about to pray as a team and deal with people, people's uh, financial debts. And you hear some of the stories of people whose lives are plagued with poverty and debt and how desperate it, 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 it impacts people, how often it does lead people to think about taking their lives and then the liberation of being helped out of debt. Absolutely amazing. Imagine, as a last resort in Israel there, you, uh, to pay off your debts, you had nothing left to sell but yourself. You sell yourself into slavery to work for someone, to pay off your debts. What would it have been like to have heard that trumpet blow in the year of Jubilee? You know at that point you're no longer a slave. You're no longer in debt. You have all your land and properties restored back to you again. What a joyful day. And this spirit-anointed preacher is proclaiming this jubilee-like year of God's favor. It's good news for all in debt and slavery. It means freedom and release. It's good news for those who are broken and enslaved by their circumstances, by their choices. There's release. There's comfort. There's there's healing. The work of this anointed preacher will be absolutely transformational. Look at verse 3. Those who grieve... Covered in ashes will be provided a crown of beauty. Those who mourn will receive joy. Those who are filled with despair will be covered in a garment of praise. What beautiful pictures. And as verse 3 says, he takes morally compromised people and he turns them into oaks of righteousness. What a brilliant picture. Rootless Homeless people become the planting of the Lord, whose lives display the splendor and glory of God. On Friday night, um, I went with a few friends to hear um, a worship band, the Celtic worship band at Bellevue Chapel, led by Steph McLeod. And it was amazing. The place was jam-packed full of people wanting to praise God. And there was a time when Steph was a homeless addict, full of despair, full of destructive self-loathing. But people from Bethany Christian Trust got alongside him and shared the good news of Jesus with him. And everything changed. And I just love looking at Steph. There he was, standing in his kilt. I didn't like his legs particularly, but, you know, there he was, standing in his kilt, big smile on his face, introducing another belter of a praise song so we could worship this Jesus who transforms people's lives today. That's what he's still doing. He proclaims the good news. He is the good news. He's still doing it in the world today. And notice from verse 4, that those he saves, he makes partners with him in the same mission. Verse 4, they will, these people, Uh, who now become oaks of righteousness, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Now the first bud of this uh, promise being fulfilled was no doubt in the exiles coming back from Babylon, rebuilding the temple. Um, And yet it wasn't really the end of the exile. But the full flower is the arrival of Jesus as he preaches the good news of the kingdom, as he dies on a cross in the place of sinners, as he's raised to life and then sends his disciples out to spread the good news about Jesus Christ into the world. We get to play a part in his mission to rebuild, restore, renew. That's a work that goes on. in ourselves, in our own personalities. There's a lot that needs to be rebuilt and restored. In me, for sure, it's a work of rebuilding and restoration that happens in our homes, in our relationships, and in our world. It's a beautiful thing to see Uh, CAP doing its work, unashamedly pointing to Jesus because that's what's motivating their desire to free people out of financial debt and introduce them to the one who can actually truly free them from everything that enslaves and will give them hope for heaven, Jesus Christ. On Friday night at this uh, Celtic worship event, there was also Tear Fund and they were highlighting that the work they're doing uh, amongst Syrian refugees in Lebanon. This country of four million people has had a million refugees. And uh, they, they had some story, a testimony of a woman who's been there for six or seven years, still living in a tent with a family. And yet they are there trying to help uh, people come to terms with the, the horror of the violence that they've experienced, the destruction of their homes, their family, their friends. And they're trying to provide relief, and especially to work alongside the children who've experienced these horrors to help them rebuild their lives. Well, because when we know the joy of what this good news preacher has done for us, it not only is good news for us, but we want to share it. We want to see this change and transformation happening in other people's lives, in other communities, in other places. There is so much brokenness. In this world we need a savior and God has announced in advance he will send this savior this spirit anointed preacher he would come and he came and he's continued to change people's lives that's why our vision at Charlotte Chapel is to see lives transformed through Jesus to the glory of God now the question is how is this anointed preacher able to do all of this Well, we've been actually slowly working through this book of Isaiah. And uh, if you've not been around for that long, you will not remember the earlier stuff. But back in Isaiah chapter 11, we're told about this uh, similarly spirit anointed person. He's described there as the Messiah King. There's the the thought that the the Davidic kingdom of David has been chopped down like a tree chopped down. And yet it says a shoot's going to come from this uh, tree stump of Jesse's line. There's going to be a new king coming. A king who will bring a, a perfect justice and righteousness that's going to transform the whole world for he is the righteous king. And in Isaiah chapter 49, we're introduced to uh, a number of these, what they, what they call the servant songs. And, uh, and again, in Isaiah 49, this servant is described as one who is anointed by the Spirit of God. It's the same person. The Messiah King is the servant. We're, we're awaiting a king who has all authority and yet comes to be a servant. And in Isaiah 53, we learn that this servant is willing to suffer as a substitute in the place of sinners. He's going to be cut down. He's going to be uh, as, as treated as one who is a, a sinner uh, facing God's judgment Uh, in the place of sinners so that people can be reconciled and right with God. This is what Isaiah promises in the 8th century before Christ came. And this is exactly what we see in the gospel accounts about the life of Jesus. He comes and displays all the authority of a king. Incredible authority. And yet he comes with compassion on the crowds. He frees people from their diseases. He frees them from their oppression and their despair. And then purposefully heads to Jerusalem. And he tells his disciples in advance that he came not to be served. He's a king, but he came not to be served. But to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Here's the one who really redeems people's lives. And he rose again. He's living today. And that's why he is still good news for the poor today and the good news for the poor is this he offers himself to us see the king and savior takes the debts of his people and he gives us the riches of his grace he takes our ashes and he gives us a crown of beauty he takes our mourning so that we can know his joy He takes our despair, he becomes the the man of sorrows so that we can become the people of praise. He takes our brokenness so that we can be undoubtedly and recognized by all, blessed by the Lord. See, what is going on here in Isaiah chapter 61 is, is nothing less than a marriage. Look at the joy of Jesus in verses 10 and 11. Really, what you've got here is a picture really of a king marrying a pauper but on the day of marriage all the debts of the woman are not only cleared but the but the king's possessions all become hers she becomes a queen and this anointed preacher this messiah king and savior is rejoicing over the results of of the salvation that he achieves it's like a wedding day celebration look at verse 10 i delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He's arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness, as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the young plant come up, and a garden causes seed to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations." It's it's the joy of a bridegroom on his wedding day. It's the joy of a gardener seeing uh, his garden sprouting, but it's going to be a kingdom sprouting with righteousness and praise to God. You see, as Jesus heads to the cross, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament tells us, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This anointed preacher, this Messiah King, who proclaims the good news because he is the good news, because he gives himself to those who will receive him. He willingly goes to the cross and takes the suffering and the shame, and he does so joyfully, knowing it's going to change and transform and redeem people's lives forever. And so as I finish today, we must see that now is the time of decision. Look back at verse 2. So notice with me that there's two parts to the message he must proclaim. He is to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. So what Isaiah is flagging up for us is that life will not keep going along as it always has. There will be a day when God will bring it to a sudden end. There is a day of vengeance coming. A day when righteous punishment will be poured out. A day for those who've done wrong will experience the consequences for what they have done. And it's described as a moment, a day. And yet we've got this long period, a year of of time where there is now a day of opportunity before that day. Now is is a year of favor where we can respond to the good news that Jesus brings. Jesus went about preaching the good news of the kingdom saying repent and believe the good news. This is the time when we can turn from our sin and receive God's forgiveness this is the time to believe the good news this is the time to trust Jesus and receive his salvation to go to him to say sorry to find forgiveness and comfort and restoration It's striking in Luke's account in chapter 4 that when Jesus read this passage, he stops after the mention of the year of the Lord's favor. He doesn't talk about the day of vengeance. And that's because of this. His first coming was to be our Savior. This is the day of salvation. This is the day you can get right with God. This is the day you can be redeemed. This is the day you can be forgiven if you just trust him and respond to the good news. This is the day you can experience this life transforming power of the Spirit in your life. But don't treat this opportunity lightly. Don't ignore this day of decision. There's a day coming when it will end. His second coming will be a day of vengeance, the Bible says. And because we've got such a gracious God, this year has lasted 2,000 years. But there's a day coming when he's going to remove all evil from the world. All wrongs will be put right. And what I want to say to you today is don't get to that that day as someone who who mocks and rejects God's grace. Don't get to that day just having spent all your time in entertainment and video games. Don't get to that uh, day as someone who's who's kept putting off the decision to respond to the good news of Jesus. Have you come today and you know you're poor, broken, enslaved, addicted, mourning, and despair? But Bette shared with us already, that's how she came. And yet today she's announcing with joy that she's found forgiveness and Healing and joy what about you I don't know whether you'll get another day like this why don't you come to Christ today he's done it all for you will you come and trust him I want to just offer that opportunity to you today and and I want to put a prayer up there that you could pray this morning because this is not just some historical stuff from the past This, this is This is your life today. I don't think it's by any accident that you're here today. And maybe somebody wants to respond to the good news of Jesus today. Have a look at this prayer. It's a simple prayer. It says, sorry, thank you, and please. Sorry that I've rejected your love and lived for myself. I don't want to live that way anymore. Thank you for Jesus and his good news. Thank you that he lived the life I should have lived and died the death I deserved. Thank you that he rose again and offers me new life. Please forgive me and change me to live for Jesus all my days. Now I'm going to pray that prayer uh, slowly, and I'm going to give you the opportunity in the silence of your own heart and mind to maybe make that your prayer today. If you want to respond to Jesus this day, let's bow our heads and pray.